0: of Caw, where we talk all things related to the Dark Tower series by Stephen King. I'm your host, Rachel, and joining me is the other half of my quartet, the one and only DJ.
1: Rachel, how are you enjoying your seltzer this morning?
0: Uh, my, I mean, my seltzer is good, but my heart is heavy, <laughs> because we're going to have to talk about the bad news that came out this week. Uh, for those of you who don't know, the Dark Tower series, looks like it may be dead. So so yeah, this is a dark day at the cast of Caw.
1: I mean, was the movie really enough to warrant a, a series spinoff?
0: Oh, I mean, I figured this was kind of like its own thing. Like, I think originally they were supposed to be connected, but then everyone was like, Shh, no one talked about the movie. Shhh, it should never happen. What know? they
1: should really do, and maybe I'm crazy, but uh, you remember in the late 90s, there were those um, like Tales from the Crypt style uh, cartoon series where like the animation was like a little bit lower rent, but it sort of had a comic book feel to it
0: hmm kind of i think i don't like i'm picturing like the beginning of like creep show or something or yeah experience. exactly yeah, so uh-huh.
1: it would be great to do this in like an animated series because hmm. then your budget goes way down you don't do it like top notch you do it like uh, maybe batman beyond level and then hmm. you could roll along with this stuff you could get way more interesting in following the book closer And you wouldn't have to worry about the expense of, like, a live-action production. Right, special
0: effects and all that jazz. There is no limits to animation. Well, we'll talk about this some more. We're getting a little ahead of ourselves. We're going to (laughs) definitely have a more in-depth discussion about this later. Man, now I'm
1: dreaming of, like, a manga. Right? Wouldn't it be good to do, like... Uh, never mind. Oh, we'll save it for later. Okay. Yeah, save, save, save your
0: <laughs> thoughts. We'll definitely get into that. Uh, before we get into that, just our plan for this week, we are going to continue our journey through the Wastelands with an in-depth conversation about the Wastelands, Book 2, Lud, A Heap of Broken Images, Chapter 4, Town and Cotet, Sections 1 through 10.
1: Oi, that's a long title
0: <laughs> yes it is and also i i approve of your use of the name oi because <laughs> it is very significant this round <laughs> i see what you did there dj <laughs> everyone's
1: wrong clever okay so uh,
0: yeah um, so we'll talk about that we'll talk about the bummer news that we've already discussed a little bit and we got a really great letter from a listener that we're gonna read part of and then we'll and you know like that'll be a good way to sort of like end the show on a positive note yeah yeah all right so before we dig into all that good stuff dj would you do me a solid and remind our listeners of our spoiler policy
1: as usual folks we draw a hard line in the sand Uh, we want to make sure that you don't cross that so we will let you know when we get to the end or cover anything that is beyond chapter 10 of this extremely extraneously long title
0: <laughs> I know it is absurd. I, yeah.
1: I, I forgot how goofy the titling for these chapters were. And it just gets like they get so long that it's like what are you doing Stephen King? It's like, like
0: the Rube Goldberg device of yeah. chapter names. <laughs> just slap a dang
1: number on it and be done with it, buddy. Keep don't it, don't give it. me like a run-on sentence as a title. That's not cool. Yeah. So yeah. you want to start off with where we left off?
0: Yeah, where do we leave off, Deej?
1: Uh we were basically saving Jake from the other world and pulling him out of the house and Eddie got him got him into the group. And bam, now Jake is on the other side and everybody is doing better. No brain damage.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Are you so glad to have put that in the rearview mirror? I know it was like so annoying.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean like it's just it, – it it gets kind of tiresome. Like, yes, I get it. Your split personalities, blah, okay, but I don't need to be bit over that with it. <laughs>
0: um,
1: at first you're like interested and then you like start to be like okay with it and then by the end you're just like enough's enough. Just yeah. do something. do something else. Yes. And then, you know, you have a finale with like a, you know, house that eats people. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, all right. So moving on. Okay. Uh, they're basically hanging out as a group, uh, wandering around. And uh, um, they're kind of like sitting there eating. And then uh, they see a little dude. He, um,
0: I. I was for, afraid for a minute you were going to skip over the most important part. Of no, this entire no. <laughs> no so they,
1: they see a little dude. And when I read the description of this, of, of Oi, I. I. Yeah. Um, I was completely i I don't know where I'm at in the world, but like my brain was somewhere completely different when he was describing oil, and I just like (laughs) painted a completely different picture of just like. You you thought he
0: looked like Jar Jar Binks? Yeah, I I, I thought he had like floppy ears
1: and was like subhumanoid, kind of standing on his back legs every once in a while and walked around. Wow! And and then when it describes, it's like it's kind of a dogish, raccoonish mix, you know, with like a pointy nose that that wiggles a lot and like a a curly tail and then when i read that i read it again and like i tried to picture it in my head and suddenly i came up with more of a pig like what? well a curly tail it's like such a strange I, I, when i visualize a curly tail i visualize like the squirrely tail of like a pig
0: mm, but not then, like, like a not like a husky
1: yeah not like a husky so like i when i tried to close my eyes and think of it again i was like kind of imagined him like a raccoon front with like a a pig butt and it, it's not working for me anyway
0: <laughs> i was picturing uh, something of like a mix between like a kawati and a tanuki you know those like raccoon the, dogs
1: yeah the raccoon dogs from but with Japan. like
0: tiger stripes on it and then a, a husky tail
1: hmm. yeah that's freaking t- cute
0: that's the, all i know <laughs> the tanuki
1: is probably a uh, i should use that as my visualization that's a that's a great looking weird dog thing
0: aren't they so awesome i oh, love man. them so much
1: so this is a this is a side note but if okay. anybody is interested in um seeing a bunch of tanukis, there's a studio ghibli uh film i forget which one it is now but they're flying all over and they have giant balls
0: yeah that's like a weird is it spirited away or thing. it's like i think i think it might have something to yeah there's it's not spirited away
1: I can't remember which one it is, but, like, they're, like, flying through the air dropping stuff and, like, bombing people, and then they're, their giant balls are hanging underneath of them. Is it the one
0: where there's the pig that flies the, the, like, the fighter plane? Yep, yep. Yes. Okay, that one is not for Spirit Away, but I can't remember the name of it right now. Yeah, it's not coming What is me, it? But... Randy's—hold on, we've got an assist from Randy. Which one is it? Porco Rosso. Oh, okay, We're talking okay. about Tanooki Giant Balls. <laughs> <laughs> he just shrugged like yeah <laughs> yeah porco rosso is the is the tanuki flying tanukis
1: yeah and then if you go into a like some japanese restaurants they'll have like a statue of one of those there with the big uh-huh. balls and you're supposed to rub them for good luck
0: i wonder if tanukis just have ginormous balls
1: I don't Maybe they're just really fluffy and so they they look bigger. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) (laughs)
0: This is rewarding. We're diving way off off on the (laughs) the balls
1: thing. Um, So (laughs) Oi shows up for the very first time and they see him like off in the distance. And the reason he's named Oi is because the first thing he says is like he's trying to replicate boy and he says Oi. And then that's how he kind of gets his name. So Jake is trying to coax him over, and he's a little nervous, a little skittish. Roland isn't sure if he's a good uh, a good Billy Bumbler or a bad one, and that's what Roland explains that he is, is a Billy Bumbler. And And so Jake kind of coaxes him over, and, the, and he says his name, and like is somewhat friendly and, and timid. And Roland's like, okay, well, it's good luck to have a uh, Billy Bumbler around, so go ahead. And so Jake gives him a piece of Gungan Slinger burrito, and – he opens it up and takes a bite, eats oh. the meat out of the inside, and then uh, Eddie laughs, and he runs off into the forest. But that is not the last we see of our little fuzzy Fred.
0: Thank goodness. Now,
1: you have four stars under this portion here. <laughs> four That's a lot of stars. So um, I feel
0: really strongly about Oi. <laughs> okay,
1: I will let you jump in because obviously you have a lot more to talk about on that particular I subject mean- than I do.
0: A little bit. Okay, so first of all, what we didn't say is that it's been a few days since everything happened with the door and, and the speaking ring. Mm-hmm. And during that time, Jake has had like a really intense fever from the spider bite that he got from the Dutch Hill man- mansion.
1: Oh, yeah, I forgot about the medication. You're right.
0: Yes. And so I was thinking about how, like, what is the purpose of that? Like Other than like, yeah, that, that spider bite was really gross, but like what are, what is the reason that this is included in the book? And I think what it kind of is – is it it sort of reinforces this idea that Jake is like Roland Jr. You know what I mean? Like, he gets a very, like, abbreviated version of something that happened at the beginning of... um... And then there's
1: the callback to Cathlac.
0: Yes, exactly. Like, they both have these run-ins with these, like, mystical monsters and then have these fevers as a result of it. And then, yeah, again, with the Keflex, right? Or the Cheflet or whatever he calls it. Yeah, so
1: I thought that was actually uh, more of a callback to, like, old New York. Because as you'll hear... That too. You'll hear later, like they as they approach the city, that sort of like reminds them, and they hope that it is like a, a New York City of a different time or a different place.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that in both these cases, like it's reinforcing Jake's place and his connection to each of the different people in the quartet. Like everybody else had developed a relationship over the last you know book and a half, mm-hmm. whereas like Jake is new into this this group, but like already we're seeing like points of connection. But also, like I just thought, it was interesting that like here is another example of him having another life experience that is more in keeping with like the the father relationship he has with Roland and the connection he has with Roland uh, versus the one that he had with his own father back in in um in New York. And like throughout this chapter, there are moments where we continue to see that like Jake's belongs here in this world versus the, his old home. Like there's no homesickness, there's no nothing. It's he has come home. In this strange world. Um, I think
1: you're right. I think uh, it does sort of feel um father figure Oh, yeah.
0: Because,
1: uh, you know, like, Roland is, like, sort of like, it's up to you, you know, son, whatever you want to do. <laughs> it's, it's It sort of feels like that is the right, re- that's a good description, I think.
0: Yeah, it's like a nur- more nurturing and, like, um role model relationship. And also, like, affectionate relationship, with, which is something else we're seeing in this section. It's like... I think having Jake return to the group is like bringing in another side of, of Roland. And you see it with this interaction that they has when he's like talking to Jake about Oi and like Jake wants to give him this gunslinger or burrito. And Roland realizes like, if he gives him this burrito, that thing is not going anywhere. And like we, uh, you know, last book, can you imagine Roland being like, okay, if I, would I encourage, would he encourage someone to give some, some of their resources, (laughs) <laughs> to an animal that is not necessarily, like, going to, well, I mean.
1: He even like, mentions it's not even as good as a dog. Because right, it's not exactly.
0: Loyal. Like, and I'm just like, who is this Roland? Who is this warmer, softer Roland that is like, yeah, son, you can have a dog. You know, it's just, um like I said, I feel like, we're getting a new side of Roland in this section, and um it's a pattern that we continue to see throughout the section. And then lastly, two more things. Well, first of all, <laughs> the description of Oi, like we find out that he is like very skinny and wounded, and it just kind of reinforced to me the idea that like all the members of this quartet are broken in some way. And that includes Oi, like whether it was drug addiction or like, you know. Uh, roland with having lost everyone who ever mattered to him and just being so singularly focused on this or um you know the trauma and the physical disability that Susanna has like each of these people becomes more whole as they join this group and all of them are outsiders all of them are like people who have been displaced or are outcasts in some way right hmm. so and Oi fits right into that mold um, yeah. Right from the start. and, well, then,
1: and They, la- they kind of mentioned that too. They're, they explained that like, you know, there aren't that many around and like mm-hmm. a lot of them have gone wild over the years, you know, not actually he's a tame anymore. One.
0: He's a talking one, which is something that like all the other Bumblers seem to have forgotten that they used to be companions of people. Yep. But he is one that is like out of time, right? Like he's still able to talk and he's still able to, or he still feels a connection to humans, which makes him different. And I, you know, you kind of get the sense maybe he was driven out by the other Bob, babe, uh, Billy Bumblers because he was different.
1: Oh, because they're all feral and he's, uh, yeah, he's yeah, tame. Yeah. yeah. Mm.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Last thing, and then we can move on. I swear. There's also <laughs> a mention. This is a this is a DJ detail. So there's also a mention of um, Jake's watch not working.
1: Yes. Yes. I was about to get to that. I thought that was in the next section. <laughs>
0: Okay, well, I mean, all I was going to say oh. is that this is our first, like, non-subjective evidence that the world is not just in decay, but, like, really coming apart on, like, uh, on a, like, a very, like, physics level, you know? Like, it is really coming apart in a, a way that it extends beyond, like, you know, moral decay.
1: <laughs> Let's talk about that for a second, because the, uh, the watch part is interesting, because it's mm-hmm. moving backwards, forwards in time, and mentioning multiple dates simultaneously, but it... It sometimes locks into time and then drifts back out again. Yeah. And the thing uh, – so when we first started talking about all these different worlds and how they interact, when you when you think about the watch and how it's reacting to the space around it, it kind of, to me, makes it feel like they're all in some sort of orbit. And yeah. as they get closer and further apart, the effects change on each of the individuals uh, in that area. So it almost makes me visualize, like, because you know, Roland mentions before that, like, you know, it's thin, it's thin here, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, like that, that uh, change of the watch almost feels like, oh yeah, well, um, when it's normal, like you're away from like an area where the worlds are really close together, and when it starts right. going wacky, it's picking up multiple worlds and causing right. the watch to go crazy, almost like
0: a gravitational force, like pull, kind of exactly. thing. exactly. And I I thought
1: that was actually a really good, subtle, like, this is how our worlds work.
0: Yeah. This, I mean, I feel like this section, we'll get into it more, is the most forthcoming the book has been, like, ever in terms of telling us anything about this world.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um,
0: which i'm into but like uh, when i i got to the part i was like i've got to hear what dj has to say about this one <laughs> i don't understand it but i know it's significant
1: <laughs> well and and then like also the watch is another callback to like jake remembering where he came from and the yeah. world that he left behind because he doesn't get rid of the watch he still keeps right. it because it kind of makes him feel good yeah. so the team is still continuing to walk and yep. they, they start to the the path starts to change into sort of this like Brickety cobblestone road and up in the distance they see this sort of silhouette of a big city and they're walking by kind of what appears to be maybe abandoned farmhouses and mm. little parts of villages and so on and Roland sort of like whimsically um, – mentions that he thinks, you know, people are following him. And the other three are like, what are you talking about? And he's like, well, you know, when the sun goes behind the clouds and a shade comes over you, he says, you'll you'll get used to it and you'll figure it out eventually. And Mm -hmm. then, like, later on, you actually, uh, from Susanna's perspective, she actually gets that feeling as they're walking. And then this is another point where uh, Roland and Jake become sort of like Fathery, sunny, caring about each other. Mm-hmm. And Jake's, like, worried about, you know, slow mutants uh, running around. And Roland's like, no, no, these over here, are, they're a little bit more normal than the other ones. They're evolving back to a regular creature. They're not as bad as the ones that are under the mountain. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wow, they're actually having a conversation about that previous time when he killed Jake they're
0: dancing around it. Yep. Dance, yeah, exactly. dancing.
1: And so I, I thought that was actually a uh, uh, pretty good. And then, um, they continue walking and Oi shows back up and like, they kind of interact with oil a little bit more. And I, I think, um, he, he's still kind of skittish, but he's following him along. And then, in, and then they um, they find this like mechanical. And I, am I jumping too far ahead with the mechanical? Well, I will
0: say, yeah, because there's a little bit before we get to the actual to River Crossing. Okay, um, yeah, yeah. Just I would say I when they're talking about seeing the bison and they're talking about the muties and they mention that like the mutations are being bred out of them. My question was: Is that like happening intentionally? does that just more like evidence that there are people hiding in these like abandoned, seemingly abandoned farms or is there, is this meant to be kind of like a little bit of a message of hope that, e- that things are capable of getting back on track, even when the world has moved on.
1: So I have a, an odd, but different theory on that. Okay. And it kind of jumps around with the information that we will cover in a little bit, but I'll, yeah, I'll me. just go ahead and squeeze it together. Yeah. Um, so one of the characters that they meet, um, a little bit later mentions that her father had the ring on his neck from, you
0: oh, know, the radiation, radiation. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So, and he passed, he, he lived with that and then died with that. And so when I heard that clue and then I kind of like circled back around to where we're at. I don't know if, like, Stephen King was this thoughtful about, you know, Yakka Mountain or any of the ways we store nuclear waste. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they're underground and, like, the mutants are the worst. And then they're Mm -hmm. out here where, like, the devastation had happened. But it's starting to...
0: And
1: that... So the feeling I got... And especially when they start to mention, like, the old weapons that they launched from the city that that fired yeah. and and burned and stopped you know masses of hordes that were coming to invade it's it, it sort of felt like to me that like they had basically been like bombarding the outer skirts of the city with like nuclear weapons
0: yeah cuz they wouldn't understand the technology
1: exactly and so That's
0: my, interesting.
1: My thought was that it was just that the animals were starting to go back to normal as the radiation right started because to
0: we find out that happened like gener- several generations back. Exactly. So like, that is so okay. Okay, I'm into it. I like that theory. I feel like there's that's an evidence based theory. I'm, yeah, and I'm I, I
1: I know I had to jump around a little bit to yeah, put that no, together, it's fine. but it, it, it they kind of drop to me. It felt like you Stephen King was dropping like uh, clues throughout yeah. this to like point back to the animals at the beginning. Yeah. And then there's a couple of questions I have but we'll we'll save those for when we get to the next sections. Um so this
0: actually answers my other question that I had for this section, which was that like this is the first town or the first people. Like even though we haven't seen them, Roland acknowledges that there's people around here. These are the first people we have seen since Toll. Yeah. Like and I was like in a world where presumably like birth control is not a thing, how are there no freaking people anywhere? But that actually makes sense like maybe it's yeah like people are sterile from radiation uh, or any number of mutations and we do get a little bit of that later later in this section where they like talk about birth like birth defects but that all makes sense for me okay thank you
1: no problem so one other thing i I wanted to to touch on with the nuclear business is about Mm -hmm. the time that this book came out there was another book that i believe was like k is for something and it's the girl's name and it's about a girl who, like, lives in a valley where a nuclear disaster happened all around the valley, but it never seeped into the valley. Ooh. And she's just in there by herself. And she has to, like, go out in a hazmat suit and venture to the grocery store to get the only things that you can eat from the grocery store that aren't irradiated, which happen to be, like, I guess cans of meats and, and so on. <laughs> and then brings them back to the valley and lives in the valley.
0: And it's – Yeah. And it's good.
1: And so I I almost like when I was going through this, there were a lot of a lot of things I was picking out of that memory of reading that book that kind of fit into this. And I wonder if like Stephen King had just gotten done reading that and like sort of like, yeah, those are some good ideas. Cherry pick, cherry pick, cherry pick, drop them in. Uh, Z is for Zachariah is the name of the oh, book I was looking for. I
0: feel like they've made a movie adaptation of this. Okay, so th- The Wasteland came out the same year as the fall of the Berlin Wall and the, the collapse of the Soviet Union. So I wonder how much this it was influ all of this is just sort of influenced by Cold War era paranoia, right? Yeah. Like like you know how if you go back and like read Tolkien, like it's all about how like he was in World War One and like the destruction of nature and he, you know just the ugliness of war is like mm-hmm. what lord of the rings is and i wonder if this book is kind of stephen king just fully being influenced by cold war
1: yeah probably like, I'm, I'm probably fear. hanging too much on z is for zachariah but
0: I, uh, mean, I mean i think probably they're probably both a product of the same sort of source anxiety right
1: yeah definitely yeah. and I, I i thought they were kind of close together but a, a 91 and 84 are pretty far apart so
0: they're fun. Part, but also like of the same era right mm-hmm. so like they're in the same sort of like pop culture milieu so i wouldn't be surprised and he seems like a pretty voracious reader he was all coked out then <laughs> <know> <laughs> <right>? <laughs> he was probably like z for zachariah speed read <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right so uh, back to our guys apparently my z for zachariah um thought was a, a little bit off kilter ah, whatever uh, so th- they're still, like, they got to Oi kind of following them around, and yeah. they uh, are, are wandering through. The road's starting to go from, like, cobblestone, and th- there is actually discussion about, like, um, if they're, they were out to attack us and they threw rocks, there would be more cobblestones missing, which I thought was a, <laughs> a, a kind of, like, fun little jab. And then um, Eddie asks if he, if he thinks they're dangerous, and Roland says something like, um, does a stray dog bite? Yeah. And it's like silence for a second, as Eddie kind of stares at him and then he's like, uh, what are you? Some kind of um
0: Zen Buddhist. Zen
1: Buddhist or something? And Roland makes that like cracks an actual joke. Is he
0: wise like me?
1: (laughs) (laughs) And so like I actually kinda giggled with Yeah. because, you know, Roland isn't normally jovial in, in that particular bit. It felt like he was sort of, he uh-huh. even cracks, almost cracks like a little bit of a, a he grid. He really
0: cracks joke. That's what I'm saying. There's this pattern that takes place and just, like, gets drilled once and over and over again that, like, there is, like, there's a reawakening of Roland of old that is happening in mm-hmm. this section. And, like, he has interaction with each member of the quartet that, like, reinforces that.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I'm from, like,
0: oh, that's right. That's why I love Roland so much. Because we've been so steeped in like the early books when he's still like... Kind of you know.
1: stoic and weird.
0: Yes. And now I'm like, oh, that's right. He has kind of like a dry charm. Oh, yes. Okay. Right. This is why I love him.
1: This is also where um, Roland explains to the guys and gals what a Harrier, a harrier is. Mm-hmm. And the Harrier is basically like a raider or a outlaw outlaw that runs around. And apparently, like Roland also explains, that they would be able to tell them from a Harrier because a Harrier doesn't carry the type of weapons that a gunslinger carries. And right after he tells him this, he, like, sees a sort of mechanical box up in the air and grabs a rock, and Susanna... I don't quite understand why, but she sort of screams and says, no, Roland, and he throws it and hits the box. Mm -hmm. It whirs and comes to life and Mm -hmm. out pops a go flag, which I was kind of visualizing the old-timey stoplights that you used to see Mm -hmm. in, like, cartoons and stuff like that and, like, 40s films where they, like, the flag is pointed up and then it falls down. But I'm not sure if that's the case or not or if this is actually, like, some sort of raceway or, or something like that.
0: I mean, I think it's kind of, this whole section is all about, like, blending of genres. Oh, okay, okay. You know, like that, I think that is kind of keeping with this idea of sort of mechanical technology. But when they enter the town especially, we get, like, a reminder that this is a Western. And then that's the, like, weird Western part of it, right? Yeah, because
1: I, like, the way they were describing the farms and stuff, I wasn't expecting a mechanical box to be above them. And then suddenly there's a mechanical box above them.
0: And, and yeah, that's the sci. That's again like hinting at the we'll get that when we get to Wolves of Kala and stuff like the real sci-fi stuff. Hmm. But we're getting a little bit of that like. Retrofuturism, which is weird i know it's a weird choice but i mean like that's the only way i can describe it like that like atomic age robot robbie the robot kind of vibe i mean if you have
1: a fancy so it could be just the contrast like you have a city in the distance right and then you have farms that are around the city and even today like you go from uh like uh, i'll i'll use link um I'll use Portland as an example. You go from Portland and you drive out like an hour and a half one direction and like suddenly you're in an area that, you know, having uh, four flashing lights is this thing instead of actually having like real traffic lights or just having stop signs. Mm-hmm. And and so it could just be that this is like a farming community and he's trying to emphasize yeah. that like tech, technology moves slower in the farming community versus the the big city.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, we're both also Northern Californians, me forever, but you – currently
1: temporarily
0: (laughs) so like we live in an area where there is like a lot of ghost towns i'm sure you've probably done some exploring of the ghost towns right here like old mining towns gold like the gold rush towns that still stand today that you can go to and like this description of when they're going into river crossing like immediately reminded me of that like the gold the abandoned gold rush towns Mm. but also like it it's like Every sort of Western where you enter the town, like, this is very, very Western, like, where you enter the town, and there are people, like, peeking out windows, but, and you can, um, and there's, like, corral, like, it it reminded me of, like, High Noon, sort of the, the, the High Noon,
1: or the High Noon Drifter,
0: like, High Plains Drifter, or, Or like, High High Noon in the climax of the movie, where he, where the guy, like, has to face off with the, the, like, the outlaws have come back to town and he has to face, I'm like, the town is there. You can feel the presence of like eyes and, and people being there, like the tension while mm-hmm. it still appears visually to be deserted. And yeah, you know, I just love this part because it was, like I said, like a reminder that, Oh yes, these are weird Westerns. We've been like very steep in the fantasy and the horror and the metaphysical for the last few sections. Mm-hmm. And this sort of brings us back home to the world that we first entered in the gunslinger.
1: That's actually why when I got on the cast, I was whistling the,
0: <laughs> I wish I was recording oh wait, I am now
1: <laughs> all right, so uh Roland like gets this sign to activate, and um you know, Susanna kind of yells, no, and he's like. Wait, and he uh, immediately informs them, um, don't, don't speak unless spoken to, mm-hmm. uh, that there's folks watching us, and and then, bam, the folks show up. And it's right. uh, an older man and an uh, older lady, and the older lady's eyes have been burned out of her head, um, apparently with, like, some uh, branding iron at some point oh, in her life. so bad. And they're – they sort of – I don't know if you ever watched the really old black-and-white show, Mom-Pa-Kettle. But they sort of like feel like a caricature of Montpa Kettle. Okay, it was a it was like a 1930s or 40s black and white um, sort of farm pre Clampids farm joke thing, vaudevilleish. But anyway, so like he's kind of leading her along, like no Cletus, don't fall down. (laughs) You're gonna do damage to yourself. You know, you'll do the devil to yourself. And, like, she's trying to, like, look at you know, listen around and, like, wants to, like, run forward. And then immediately Roland speaks to them, and he speaks in the high speech. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, a instantaneous trigger for both of them. And they come running at him and, like, fall to their knees. And, you know, basically it sort of feels like praise the gunslinger. Yeah. And you know, uh, meanwhile, like Oi is kind of like l- lagging behind, mm-hmm. and uh, there's like they start to have like this little back and forth conversation, and then they're chatting, and then this other lady like comes out and is like, uh, hey, "Hey, you know, okay, gunslinger," and like she kind of speaks high speech to Roland, um, and then he speaks to her, and then they let her f- let her f- let the blind lady feel his gun,
0: mm-hmm. I guess.
1: To show that it's like a a legitimate you know gunslinger gun, and then she invites them to have a meal with them in their in their okay. house, and she also explains some interesting things about the town. And one of the main things when we were mentioning that the town is like falling apart and broken and so on, is that they actually let it fall to pieces yeah. so that it kind of conceals camouflage. anybody living there. So it's yeah. sort of camouflage. They don't fix the the detritus of the town on purpose. Mm-hmm. But then she invites them in and they like walk into this area and it goes from like zero to hero. Like yeah. s- suddenly <laughs> like it's really nice inside. And I, I sort of got the feeling like of an old mansion, you know, old, um, almost a, uh, plantation mansion type of thing mm-hmm. where it, cause they're it's like a giant open, you know, room and like dining and they send people to other rooms so that they can chat. You know, it, I, Maybe I'm visualizing the house wrong, but I was figuring at least, like, two or three stories and, like, a big square building with, like, a a, a big front porch. And I, I know, like, Stephen King doesn't spend a lot of time explaining what the house looks like, but it has a, a beautiful courtyard and, like, green space on the inside and yeah. and, and all of this. And yeah. So then they sit down, and, and am I moving too fast?
0: Yeah, a little bit. I gotta go. I got. We're okay. gonna have to go back a little all bit. All right, go ahead and let's, <laughs> so let's pause, pause there, because I yes. fly
1: around in these sorts of scenes, because it's just like, well, you know, you, that's all just extra.
0: Yeah, no, we gotta go back just a little bit. Um, okay. So first of all, I wanted to talk about when they're entering the town, and Susanna starts having these, like, vivid intuitions about what the town must have looked like in its heyday, day um, And they're so, like, vivid that she, like she can't tell if they are just her imagination or if they're more akin to something like mystery, or mysteries, memories. Um, And I thought that was important, considering big picture stuff, that like, perhaps this might have more significance than you might think initially. This is what I'm saying. I don't want to talk too much about things because big picture spoilers. But um, I do think it's interesting that there's some foreshadowing here.
1: I spent a ton of time thinking about the... The watch and the like mechanical side. And then I just completely breezed over this.
0: (laughs) No worries. It's totally fine. I mean, this is, this is the stuff I get excited about. Mm. So I thought that was interesting. Um, But more, this section to me was really significant because, and it goes back again to what I was saying, how we're seeing a new side of Roland, right? Mm -hmm. This is also the first time in this section that we get to see how other people view gunslingers. Like, we know what we've been told about them. We know the history of how he became a gunslinger. And it's always felt much more like a lawman or a noble, like someone who, um,
1: but... almost a mystic, like they're like, a uh, something you put on like a pedestal and like,
0: see, I felt like they were more like, um, a marshal. you know Maybe, what I mean? Yeah. Like, like they were sort of the, the law keepers. In this section, you realize that they're, the way that people who are from this world and old enough to remember the times before the world move on, the way that they interact with him, he has they have such a reverence for him that it's almost like a spiritual leader.
1: Yeah, that's why I was, I was thinking like a mystic almost. It, Did it, you
0: think of that before this section, or was this the section where you were kind of like, whoa? Well, uh, initially, I just
1: thought of him as like a mercenary group. Right. You know?
0: Yeah, exactly. And then like
1: as the gunslinger story is told more and more and, and maybe it's just because I'm like watching the Mandalorian on the side.
0: Oh my God. The Mandalorian is so good. And like, that's
1: like seeped into my brain a little bit, but mm-hmm. then like I started thinking about it more and was like rolling into the, like almost a, a creed and like a, uh, you, you know,
0: so right. There's so much crossover between Mandalorians and like the way that gunslinger. Yeah, exactly. And like, so it's been when you start of, like, putting, this is, this is the way like yep. that could totally be the, the gunslinger. Gunslinger Creed.
1: Yep. Oh, yeah.
0: yeah. Okay. This is the first time, aside from the Gunslinger Creed, that we get to see some of the ritual mm-hmm. that takes place around gunslingers, like the use of high speech. Like you've, I've heard the term, and it almost sounded like a dialect, whereas opposed to like how when people like are in situations like in a spiritual ritual, like say, um, a, like in the Catholic Church, like sometimes they'll do things in Latin. Like mm-hmm. this is the first time I made that connection between high speech and Latin and that like it has like a like a very like a traditional but also like spiritual aspect to well, it.
1: Well and an order and like an answer and a call.
0: Yes. Like there is there's um like I said, like ritual around it. Um and I thought so I was fascinated by this. Like I I it totally sh- shifts your perspective of exactly the role uh, because Roland has been and it tells you how like reduced Roland has been like he seems like he's this, the ultimate survivor and he's such a freaking badass and we know that he's like is the greatest gunfighter in the world right mm-hmm. but like until this moment like you don't actually fully grasp exactly what this journey has done to him and in terms of like reducing him down to just like the smallest part of himself. And this section with these interactions he has with the quartet and these interactions he has with Aunt Talitha, like it it you can begin to see him blossom and get to see a much fuller um picture of Roland himself and what a gunslinger is. Uh,
1: did they actually mention the old woman's name because I don't remember? Yeah,
0: her name's Aunt Talitha. They yeah.
1: Okay, Aunt Okay, Aunt us So as he's talking to her too, um some other reveals happen. Like uh Roland explains to her that she he's following the beam and Ka and they talk about the wheel of Ka and black then dog the Black Dog Ka the, the black dog Ka, and like mm-hmm. may you find I think it's may you find your way to the end of the, the opening in the, the forest. Of yeah, they're clearing at the end of the forest, and it's like, man, she's really like just spelling it all out for us.
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I love this section too, because like, there's so much mythology in it. Mm -hmm. Like we get that clearing at the end of the path stuff. We also she gives that like she like shouts out to the townspeople about the returning of the white. Um, It's like a spiritual power in contrast to the outer dark, which is the force of chaos Mm -hmm. and destruction, which is championed by our mega villain Crimson King. (laughs) Um, the other thing is, is Roland is like flirty with her. He turns on the charm. Yeah. Well,
1: so it sort of feels like, um, Roland hadn't had an opportunity in quite some time to have an interaction in that way. And this is almost like his chance to, you know, dust off an old tradition and like get it out of the box and use it for once. You know, like the guy that knows how to dance really well, but doesn't ever dance. And then there's like this one time where the music comes on and you're like, does it, you know, almost like he we're...
0: breaks out some like badass swing dancing or something? Yeah, exactly. You're like, <laughs> you're like, Whoa, did I didn't know Roger do could do, do that. Skin?
1: Like, what just happened?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, even Eddie, both Susanna and now Eddie have taken note of like how different Roland is and like getting in the same way that Susanna looks at the town and can like envision what it must have been like in before the world moved on. They both get an inkling of like who Roland was before like circumstance broke him down in this way. Mm -hmm. And so this is also the, to be fair, this is also the first time we've seen like Roland healthy and, like somewhat socialized in the entire books like he was healthy towards the beginning of the book but he like he was so he'd been alone for so long he was just kind of weird and like feral and then he gets wounded has like a horrible fever then his brain breaks like so <laughs> this is the first time we're actually getting to see like healthy wealthy good, doing good job, doing well roland and what we discover is he's funny he's flirty he's extremely warm in some cases and like very compassionate. Like when the, when mercy, the little old lady fell down, the blind lady fell down, like he gently like lifts her and allows her to touch a gun. And is like very gentle and sweet with her in a way Mm -hmm. that you don't think that when, you know, like we think of Roland as being like very harsh, very matter of fact, but like, he actually has a lot of tact and a lot of like a sweetness to him that is not present before this. Even with, even with, Uh, Jake at the beginning, like, we had some internal dialogue where we, so we could understand how Roland was feeling, but he was never, like, soft with Jake. He was respectful of Jake and, like, protected Jake when he was getting taken by the speaking ring demon, but, I mean, he wasn't always, didn't always take care of Jake, but... But the point is, is, this is the first time we're seeing him, like, actually interact in a soft way. Like, even with the woman that he was, like, banging in the ganslinger, it wasn't, mm-hmm. like, a warmth. There was no warmth to that interaction. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he was getting the job done. Um, so, yeah. So, this is just a lot of really great Roland character stuff in this section.
1: There's also a, a good callback here. Because when they go into this big plantation-type building, it's a, it's a church. And uh-huh. the church, like, th- that was a key spot how many books ago... Mm. what he met another lady oh god <laughs> who was of the yeah. darker variety yeah and so i i thought that was sort of like a an interesting like juxtaposition callback as well that was was pretty good um so the the lady he meets um actually teleth actually recognizes that jake is like a little bit off and doesn't have the right type of clothes and Stephen King goes out of his way to describe the uh, the people that do have eyes from this town. They're, like, a really bright green. And, and she mentions that Jake's eyes don't look right. Now, this is one of the first questions I wanted to throw at you. Is, okay. like, is the green eyes significant for these townspeople? Because, like, the only green eyes I really think of when I hear that is Tommyknockers.
0: Hmm. Well, I mean, Talitha has green eyes. The twins, Bill and Till, have red eyes. But I think it's more that, like jake doesn't have a world weary look to himself he there's something foreign about him Mm. and that's what she's sensing because it's not just his clothes but it's also just sort of the way that he is because roland kind of refers to the fact that like it's temporary that he's going to start like you won't be able to tell any different from him from from whether or not he is from here and to me that i took that more as like he has come home and like he's going to become himself and like he's going to blend in more than than anything to do with in terms of like toby knockers but oh, i
1: thought it was just really an odd like call out to be like and his eyes you know like well, where did that come from like what?
0: i think it's more like talitha's very observant because she observes a lot oh
1: okay okay
0: which i'm like Ugh. And <laughs> she sort
1: of does have like this priestess thing going on and then yeah. she so don't then... miss
0: nothing talitha
1: yeah, so then uh, they sit down. Um, we also forgot to mention that there's signs on the way into the town that are like, Death to the Pubes.
0: Yes, and the, Death to the Grays, Death to the Pubes. And the pube whole time you are like,
1: what the heck is a gray and what the heck is a pube? And so, <laughs> you know, they, if,
0: finally... It's the they original s- OK Boomer.
1: Yep, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they yeah. uh, they sit down for a meal, and this is the other question I had. They're they're all at this table, and like apparently this lush garden, they've brought a bunch yeah. of greens in to make this meal. And for some reason... Stephen King feels it necessary to mention this green stuff and everybody eats it mm-hmm. and eats more of it and like gets a greed for it. Is that devil grass?
0: No, I think they're just like borderline scurvy. <laughs> like, oh,
1: okay, okay. I think they
0: it was like the food was delicious and also like nutritious. Okay. Cause their I, bodies was... just were like craving this food because
1: it was weird he's like you know stephen king mentions that uh you know jake ate like three plates of it and then like Susanna also was filling her plate with it and it's like what is this what is yeah just what is so important about this green bowl of stuff that looks vaguely like um uh, broccoli or whatever they uh, i don't even remember spinach. what you described it as it's similar but... to spinach yeah spinach yeah so it's like uh, okay so <laughs> they're sitting around eating, and then like uh, she sends the rest of them off, and basically starts to tell the story uh-huh. of the of the town and her family and their relation to the city, and explains all of the things that we need to know about what's going on in the city.
0: Mm-hmm. Basic well, oh, doesn't know oh, much ahead. about the city. <laughs>
1: yeah, not everything, but uh, so she explains that. Um, over the years like different groups had gathered together to kind of like siege on the city and the groups used to be led by somebody but slowly over time they started to just kind of turn into random mobs and they got sort of more scattered and more weird and then this baron like gathers a bunch of them up and builds a flotilla like twelve miles down the river or something like that—a mm-hmm. floating bridge—and they a see
0: pontoon d- bridge. Yeah, yeah. A pontoon
1: bridge, which I thought was an odd choice as well. Um, and like it, they also mentioned that this Baron may have like possibly flown in the air, but no one believes that that's actually yeah. true. Mm-hmm. And, and so that was where uh, like another hint about the the nuclear. Um, bomb and destruction and they mentioned the weapons in the city were so strong that it it took out many of the places and at the time the they made sort of um sort of hard to get through mazes of junk and dirt and danger into the city Mm -hmm. and if you made it through that was sort of the test to see if you were smart enough to be useful to them yeah and they are looking for people that have talent and brains that can help either work on the old machines or farming is really important because there's not a lot of green space in the city that they need. And, and so it kind of paints this broad picture of how everything is deteriorated. And then she kind of talks about how, um, they took the very last tithing to the castle from the town. And at that point there was no more, actual cash so they piled a bunch of furs on a tr- like a trailer and a bunch of them went out there but some of them got addicted to devil weed some of them were killed by the roaming bands and bandits mm-hmm. and some of them uh got well poisoning from the radiation mm-hmm. and only a few of them actually made it back to the town including her father and uh, that was the last they ever heard of the abandoned castle because when they got there no one was in there and they just left the furs out front and took off and, and so that's really interesting and then the city's interesting and then jake's like have you heard of blaine you know yeah and yep. like and then she he mentions the conductor as well from the the book and she like stops and it's like what you know you almost hear like the record scratch Mm -hmm. (laughs) and she's like how do you know about that you know and like then there's this weird sort of tension between her and jake for a second and then like she starts to sort of reevaluate him a little bit Mm -hmm. and then sort of like dodges the subject i guess a bit and then uh well, actually, I've gone pretty far, and you got some stars in here. Is there anything you want oh, to stop? Oh
0: yeah, and... so we're gonna go back a little bit. Yeah, we, um, before no, I keep
1: fine. rolling forward, yeah, uh, back me up for a second.
0: Yes, definitely. Let me just figure out what all. Let's see here. What's the important stuff here? Like, um, I think for one, first of all, with the the him asking about Blaine the Mono it was just kind of a really cool moment because you get the sense that Jake is still instinctually. Feeling the pull of Ka a little bit, you mm-hmm. know? Jake is saying he doesn't remember, he doesn't know why he knows. And Eddie's response is, and that is the truth, which is a callback to that poem. Um, or that essay that he wrote in his class. You remember, like yep. it was like, Blaine is the truth, and that is the truth, and that is the truth. So, what I like about this is it's very subtle, but it shows that all the stuff that we went through with these earlier sections where, like, Jake is feeling the pull of the call, and Eddie and Jake are having this, like, psychic connection, this, like, next-level connection. Like, none of that has been abandoned. Like, it's still ongoing that these people have, like, a deeper connection that goes beyond just, like, a friendly relationship or collegiate relationship. There's something deeper more on a whole other level between these two people where they're still having this mental and emotional connection mm-hmm. and having and still feeling that pull along the path of the beam so I liked that even though we didn't have to go belabor the point in the book like it is a reminder that like that stuff still matters and still is still ongoing um And I love this section, of course, because we're finally getting some freaking history on this world. Like, everything is so shrouded in mystery. Um, And even though we're still not learning about the Great Old Ones, which I still am so curious about. And, like, in my dream, Stephen King's going to pick back up the series and, like, tell us the story of the Great Old Ones. But whatever. (laughs) Um, At least we get an idea of what, when they talk about the world moving on, like, it's not just some sort of, like concept like there were actual historical things that happened that like led to the the dissolution of civilization right now
1: did you feel that the description of the dissolution of this area felt very similar to what happened to roland and his absolutely Absolutely. so like it almost because it almost seemed like a mirror of of that
0: well i mean i feel like what that's telling us is that like
1: Gilead wasn't the only place where the well, darkness definitely was Gilly, over.
0: But the like the influence of the the man in black and the crimson king and his emissaries like it, like it's not a coincidence that this is happening everywhere. Like you can feel their finger on the scale in a lot of this, right? Like this is all very intentional. Um it, it, that it, when it actually happened like it's it's like this plague of civil wars that like caused people to like turn and turn turn in on themselves and like to get cut off from each other and like it just sort of fell apart like the fragile mm-hmm. ecosystem of civ- civility that we had like diffuse few civil wars and it just spreads like a plague across the entire land right now
1: when you mention plague and the the actual steps that have happened in the d- demolition of this city and the downfall of society yeah doesn't it sort of feel like it's mirroring the stand in a way mm-hmm. Yeah. And then while she's telling this, she's telling it in a church, which is like mm. a pivotal portion of the there safe space. There is a space. Mother
0: Abigail vibe to Aunt Talitha. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> am, I, or am
1: I thinking too hard on this? Or no, no, that no. Like I, a, I think you're right. Is, is that just Stephen King reusing a trope that I mean, he's like? It
0: could be him dipping into the well, but I also feel like it's a circle, right? Like everything is cyclical. Everything is cyclical. And I think that there is an idea about like, even in a utopian city, like Ludd that was like so highly advanced Mm. that they can fall prey to this in, and, and like to go a little bit, take a step back and, they're doing it in the ruins in the graveyard of a city that did the same thing to itself thousands of years ago. We don't know exactly what they did, but presumably it was some like some cataclysmic thing happened mm-hmm. and like civilization fell apart. It began to rebuild. And then once again, like we get a little bit of like a, a, a cancer um a, a, in the, in the case of like, you know, in the idea of like chaos and the outer dark and the crimson king and the man of black, all that kind of stuff all comes together. And uh, it, that spreads it metastasizes and you have the fall of the world. And eventually we're going to get into like what is the agenda behind this, but I think it's something that like is definitely happening. Like you, you, you have an understanding. You can, you can extrapolate it in a way that you're like, okay, so this is what, why, what they mean by the world has, um, moved moved on like this is something that is spread across the land and you can expect that as we move forward that these same sort of effects are going to be happening because like he even you know roland even says like the story is so similar like it's a different the the sames of the cities are different but the outcome is the same you know Mm -hmm. and
1: and so i I don't know if i mentioned this so i'll I'll throw it in real quick but um during this explanation they also define what the pubes and the greys are yes at one point there were young folks and older folks and so, as uh, Rachel mentioned, okay boomer it, uh, <laughs> the older folks are, ended up being the grays, <laughs> and the uh pubes ended up being the young people. however, the young people aren 't young anymore because this war and a civil unrest has been going on for so long that now they're they are older. And she also like kind of not threatens, but sort of warns. They they've been hearing this like kind of thumping drum sound, the god drums, the god drums, and they don't know the even the folks they're talking to don't know what those are all about. But they do warn warn them that if any of the people. Out in that area catch him th- that they would try to use Susanna for breeding stock Ugh, and uh, then they mentioned like I it was kind of a weird aside I had to go back and like read it one more time and it's like well wait wait a minute did they just say like and Jake might be a lustful item
0: they would be lustful for him like I think more like they would be greedy to have their, him above all they would want I got I hope that's what that meant but
1: okay I thought they were you, like they said God gonna run, try did and, you think of and, the talisman. Because yeah, oh, I okay. immediately
0: was like, God pound it! <laughs> Jesus pounds his nails! Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, okay, so the other thing is, and we talked a little bit about the nuclear thing, but the description of the battlefield when the fa- when um, Sai's great-grandfather went and tried to give his last sort of tithe to the barony, and he got there and like got the ringworm that was probably radiation sickness, mm-hmm. um, there's a description of the battlefield that is just like bone white bones and rusty armor and it made me it i felt like it was very reminiscent of the red field of roses outside the tower but instead of life it's death and it's like this is what it's sort of like a premonition of what could potentially happen should there ever be a situation where the crimson king gets his way like the 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 field around the dark tower will be red with blood or rust or whatever it may be um, mm. And it also called back to the poem that this, you know, the the Roland child Roland, like there is a description of a battlefield that is very similar to this one, um, that I think mm. that this is being referenced to as well.
1: I, I just randomly pictured that uh, East Back backpack commercial where like mm. there's uh sand in the backpack and as the sand blows away, it's like a white skeleton, and then the slogan is like the backpack will last a lifetime, maybe even longer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah that's that's a good slogan um okay a couple other little details before we wrap it up because i know we're getting very close to the end of the section um the i did a little research into the city of lud like okay. i was trying to figure out if there was any significance to the name like what I from my understanding is that lud is the twinner city of of new york city so it's not that as far as i know um and then so then i was like okay well why would it be called lud and i have two theories i don't have any answers but i wanted to get your feedback on my two theories one of them is a biblical reference um the grandson of noah named lud and he gives him the land that is from the mountains to the east of the great sea so i was like okay that kind of makes sense because like New York City is on the water. I don't know. That one's a little bit loose. Mm. Uh, I just was looking up all the different things of about Ludd. Uh, and then the other one is that the people inside are people who don't understand technology, right? Like, even when it was at its, like, most utopian, the city was full of people who did not understand how to work the lights. So <laughs> the idea that it would be named after Luddites. Yeah, that's kind of what theory. I
1: what I was thinking, was that it was, like, the Luddites.
0: yeah. That's what I think it probably is, but I tried to go a little deeper with it.
1: So the history of Luddite is the there were actually – it was a movement of people that during the, like, turn of the Industrial Revolution – Oh, that's
0: interesting.
1: Yeah, when they were, like – when they started having machines that were run by belts and and, uh, giant presses and, like, mechanical works that took up whole buildings, the Luddites, if I remember correctly – were the ones that actually, like, w- would go in and sabotage the machines. Yeah, and so, like, to me, and, and maybe I'm, I thought too much about it, but it, it felt more like the city being destroyed and naming it Ludd was, like, a, kind of a tongue-in-cheek, like, well, <laughs> they destroyed the technology. Yeah, wah, I like
0: wah, it. They like that a lot. Um, quick Stephen King universe connection. Ludd is mentioned by name in the book *Rose Matter* not a big spoiler so i figured i'd just throw it in in context Um, yeah so the other thing is is we get another sort of interaction when uh aunt talitha dismisses the rest of the group except for bill and till to have a palaver with roland and his crew and we get another peek of what it means to be a gunslinger to the people Um, where they have this like very reverential procession as the people are leaving the meal where they go and they like touch his gun and he kisses their forehead. And then another really kind interaction between Roland and mercy that again, you see this other perception, like other view at who Roland is where he like takes her hand and like places them on his face so that she can feel his face. And it's just like this really sweet moment where, like you can see, like you you he the switch happens from him being a marshal to like a noble knight of old, and it's like oh that's right, this is a blend of things. We've got mm. our western town, our very like high plains drifter coming into the town's moment, followed by this like fa- like super high fantasy um, sequence. And I don't know, I just thought it was really interesting how. Stephen King is really really playing with in all of the genres. He's painting with all the colors of the rainbow in this section. Well, they even
1: like there's even a little bit where like they they uh, kind of get cozy with um with Jake and mm-hmm. Jake's like kind of weirded out that they're like kissing his forehead and stuff.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's so cute. I love Jake. I
1: almost imagined it as like, no, mom, stop it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, right? Like, there's all these moments because Jake is so mature that, like, you forget he's, like, a little kid. Yeah. And it was just kind of this moment of him just being, like, a sweet little kid that you're, like, oh, Jake. Protect Jake. Well, and and then is the... oh, like, nuzzling at his feet and he's, yep. like, feeding him, like, little treats at the dinner table. Like, it just reinforces that Jake is, like, this little kid and it... There's the addition of a child and a pet, like really drives home this idea that they have created a family unit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it can't be a family just...
1: without a pet is what you're telling me.
0: I mean, in my household, you gotta have pet. <laughs> 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 oh come on, DJ, you know you are too. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm
1: actually. My wife and the dogs are in Portland right now, so I'm actually Aww. home alone, missing oh, no. snuggling animals
0: oh that seems extra cruel like she took the dogs too (laughs) yeah um
1: so there's there's one other thing in here uh that i i forgot to mention and i wanted to point it out um when they're walking jake has his like gun in his trousers Uh uh-huh you know like some sort of um old-timey like yeah keep my gun tucked into my belt buckle you know (laughs) yep
0: billy the kid over
1: here yeah and, and then like uh uh you know Eddie's like, well, you want me to carry that for you? It looks uncomfortable. <laughs> and like, there's a moment. And then you remember like, oh yeah, the, the gun is for gunslingers. And so Jake has to like, kind of check in with Roland to make sure he, that it's cool that he like, gives, you know, uh, uh, Eddie his gun to carry for him so that he doesn't have to carry it in his, in his belt buckle. Yeah. And I, I thought that was significant too, but I forgot why I thought it was significant.
0: Well, I mean, I think it's, like they're starting to forge their own dynamics is interesting. Yeah, I mean that in and of itself. I don't know if that's what stood out to you. That sounds no, more like just, a Rachel I, thing, it, but it struck
1: me as a Rachel moment. And I was yeah. like, you're just gonna tell me what it means, and then I could move on. But you you let me down, Rachel. I
0: mean, I I do think we're seeing the the forging of their team, right? Yeah. Like. Like, Roland has his own individual relationships with people, and Eddie and Jake have this weird, like, dream friendship. But, but there's like, also a
1: moment, too, where, like, um, when uh, Jake is doing, like, internal dialogue in his head, he says, well, like, actually not friends yet. Yeah. And it's well, I mean, sort of... then
0: he's seeing the seeds. And that's, these are the, I think we're seeing the beginning of the sprouts, right? Oh uh, yeah, okay. Um... I think we're pretty much through the synopsis, so I'll just say the last couple of notes that I had for this last section, which are... Uh, I really loved the local mythology we got about David Quick, the warrior king, which mm-hmm. is the the one that flew up in the plane. Um,
1: no, and I think you know, I called him a baron, sorry. When I get into these sections, I get eh, kind of fever, fever brain. A
0: little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. It's no big deal. But, like, David Quick... I don't know. There's something – the name is really great. Like it feels like a name of myth a little bit. Well, and... isn't there
1: a Stephen King character with Quick as the last name that's used well, somewhere else?
0: There might be one coming up.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Never mind. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I know it was like that one tugged at my brain strings, but I couldn't remember. So
0: Yeah. So that was really – I loved that. Um. And I loved the the description of how they like – Took the city by a pontoon bridge, and it's just like I would love if Stephen here we're gonna do a little like offshoot like a little novella or something, you know, like in It'd one of his... it the be like
1: the, the uh, um, Siege of Lud or something yes. like that.
0: Wouldn't you love to see, a, like, a little short thing in one of his anthologies that's just, like, the Siege of Lud? Bring
1: in the slow beauties.
0: Right? Exactly. God
1: drums. Boom, boom,
0: boom, Yeah, boom. I'm looking forward to finding out about these god drums. Um, <laughs> and then I like that, I mean, we end up with Jake kind of asking, like, kind of pushing the issue, wanting to know about Blaine the Mono. But before that, like you mentioned it briefly that like King takes a moment here to be like, okay, we're having this nice little calm moment, this little palaver, but he really starts to crank up the, the tension here by laying out the stakes of like what it would mean if they got snatched mm-hmm. by people in the city. Like we know we got to cross this bridge that's like falling into decay, but then at the other end of it, like there are people that want to like steal Jake. They want to, they they're lusting after having this child. They would force, um, Susanna to breed with them and then like roll and they're just going to kill you know what I mean like it it, it just kind of like it, it's a reminder that like yes we're having this sweet moment in this like perfumed garden but like it's about to get ugly again Um and like you said we talk a lot about radiation but you get you find out that, like my question at the beginning I was like how are people not having like a million kids if there's no fucking birth control and we find out that radiation may have um, something to do with it because there's a lot of like mutation that's all in my notes. Is there <laughs> I promise I've done them all. Oh, no <sighs>
1: problem. Uh so overall what'd you think of this this section?
0: I really enjoyed this chapter. I know it's not a super action-packed chapter, but I thought there was awesome character stuff with Roland showing his softer side and like understanding the role of the gunslinger in a new way, like what it actually means. Um, to the people who know what it is and what that tells us about who Roland is as a person was fascinating to me. I love the growing relationships between the characters. I love the surprise that waits. And when you get inside and it's like this beautiful garden, um, just like great one-off weirdo characters like Bill and Till, I love when Stephen King does that kind of stuff.
1: I kind of felt like they were um like the the two circle guys from like uh, uh, Alice in Wonderland.
0: Oh, Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, I can't, there's definitely big Tweedle energy here. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I and this chapter feels to me just kind of like the calm before the storm, right? Like. The tension starting to build at the end. We don't know what waits for them in Lud. That's pretty creepy and it kind of exciting. You know, I suspect it's not going to go well for them. Um, but most importantly, the most important thing happened in this section, and that is. Oy. Oy. <laughs> so yes, uh, ten out of ten would read again. Loved this section. How about you?
1: Um, I was actually the the. The, like, painting of the picture of, like, a booming town with a bustling trade and boats coming in and then, like, things starting to go a little sideways and then the story continuing to progress into, like, longer sideways and even more sideways and Uh then, like, complete chaos and then chaos comes back together and then that chaos goes sideways. Yeah. Like, I really – I like that that type of like almost mini story inside mm-hmm. of the regular story. And, and you know me, I'm not as big of a character development person. So some of the other stuff I was just like, yeah, you know, town people, why are they eating green stuff? What's the significance to green? I don't understand. And then like, cool. Tell me a story. Yay. Yeah. But well, there's I, good I, stories I, I, in it. Yeah. Yeah. And oy, of course, but still like completely surprised that my memory of oil was always like a Jar Jar Binks. And, <laughs> that like,
0: is, so weird i love it so much i basically
1: just blew past the descriptions like nope got my own don't need yours thanks (laughs) totally well and so one of the things i've noticed when i when we've been doing this is that all this stuff i visualize in my mind is way off i am like not listening or reading any of the like things that stephen king is trying to tell me about the world i'm just like imagining my own thing that's completely So you're random. kind
0: of like a first time reader is what you're telling me
1: it's made me actually start to evaluate how i read other books and like oh, uh, i i have uh, found out that i pay very little attention to the descriptions
0: of anything. <laughs> well i mean you have such a like a vivid imagination like i think your imagination just steps in like it's like nope
1: This is better. I I recognize
0: that. Okay. So I think overall we're pretty positive on this section. I'm super excited about what's coming up. Um, We're getting into one of the moments that definitely is like a moment that stayed with me forever. um, Mm -hmm. And has featured in actual nightmares that I've had over the years. So I'm excited about getting into that soon. Nightmares, huh? Yes. We'll get there um yeah i don't have any stephen king mention or any more universe mentions other than what i mentioned previously so i guess we we'll would just talk about what our plan is for the next for people who want to dip out who don't care about talking about the adaptation news or whatever um our our plan for the next episode is and i'll put this in the show notes for you deej um <laughs> and everybody else different show notes but it'll be gettable, uh, is The Wasteland's Book 2 Lud, A Heap of Broken Images, Chapter 4, Town and Cautet, and here's the part that matters, Sections 11 through 25. It's a little bit longer than we normally do, but it's going to close out this entire um, chapter 4. We're just gonna wrap up chapter four, so we can start getting through this through this a little bit. It's usually we do about an hour. This is about an hour and twenty minutes of audio. I don't so,
1: normally. Uh, I normally have to write those down because otherwise, you just keep blowing past where we're supposed I'm to stop. So, and... Yeah,
0: I'm sorry. <laughs> it's hard, man. Well, but I'm like the excited, is, in...
1: and then like I'm like I I remember this, and oh something's coming up, I'm like it'll I keep going, and then I'm mm-hmm. not even thinking about the chapter marks.
0: Go until it's no longer. Chapter 4. When it gets (laughs) chapter 5, you're done. Stop. Okay. Anything else before we move on to our news and all that jazz? No,
1: I think we've done a pretty good job of covering this section.
0: All right. Great. Pat on the back for us. (laughs) All right. So we talked about it a little bit off the top. Obviously, the news is that Amazon was developing the Dark Tower series that was going to be based on Wizard and Glass. Um, There was a pilot shot. We've seen some... Images. Leaked images. It looked like it... Looked, they looked pretty cool you know like i was the casting mike michael rooker was really great casting like everybody looked pretty on point i don't know about the roland but i was willing to go along and find out right um but then things went quiet they were quiet for like a long time and when i originally wrote the notes to this because we we're gonna record this like two days ago mm-hmm. i was like no news on the series starting to make me nervous and then that night the news broke and i was like god damn it i jinxed it (laughs) 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 um yeah i just had a bad feeling about it especially with recently you know we know that like amazon has dropped just like a metric fuck ton of cash on the lord of the rings series and wheel and wheel of time series and i don't know i think probably a decent amount of money on the expanse um which do you read those books
1: I never read the books, uh, but I started watching the uh, TV or the—I guess not TV—the Amazon series, and I uh-huh. enjoyed it quite a bit.
0: Yeah, the book—I'm reading the books. They're good. They're really good. So, okay, the reasons that they gave—this uh, is according to a Deadline article that broke the news—is that Amazon executives felt like the pilot was not on the level of their other large scope, elevated genre series. The series has in production and pre-production. Um, which doesn't sound very good to me, <laughs> but and in, in some regards, maybe a good sign that they're not picking up if it's not very good. Um, there is some minor reason for hope if you are someone who was like really looking forward to this. The showrunner Glenn Mazara and the production company are shopping the two scripts that they, that were the basis of the pilot. So it's possible that someone like Netflix or, I don't know. The learning channel i don't know someone <laughs> else will pick it up um and obviously we'll be paying attention for developments so dj off the top what do you think about this news
1: i mean i i kind of expected that was gonna happen anyway you did
0: uh, Ooh, pessimist why yeah, why is that well uh,
1: the the rolling pick was <laughs>
0: a little bit different from the
1: movie you know and like i felt like they'd sort of solidified where the the story was going and like Mm -hmm. and and then they're like nope white guy like
0: oh okay (laughs) Um, right you're like where's baby address
1: yep exactly and then like you you, yes you see pictures and stuff and it looks kind of cool but like is it really going to be something that Amazon would make a permanent home for when yeah. Amazon's abandoned so many other random yeah shows over the years i mean what was there wasn't there like a Really high budget one called Betas, where it was like four senators living in a house and had. Oh, um,
0: maybe. Ha-
1: yeah, and so like, I'm just
0: salty about the tick personally. That's the series that they killed. That I was like, no. And they officially killed the tick. Yeah,
1: it's uh, a wrap on
0: the tick. I know it's some bullshit. That second season was so good.
1: And what do we get instead? Carnival Row.
0: Yeah. Boy, Sorry, man. Nah. Hopefully the other, hopefully this wheel of time and Laura rings will be good, but there's still going to be that little taste of bitterness in my mouth that like it, it was at the cost of the dark tower series.
1: Well, <sighs> Netflix and Amazon both have like, I feel like they've overextended themselves. And so series mm. that really have deep scope, unless the scope also includes a huge deep fan base, it is probably going to fail. See,
0: uh. I think that you're right. I think there's, like, some degree of they're like, okay, Lord of the Rings movies made a ton of money. Even the shitty Hobbit movies made a ton of money. Mm-hmm. So, like, this is a safer bet. Whereas the Dark Tower movie tanked because it was terrible. Um, and so there isn't that, like, proven commodity.
1: Well, plus, like, there's, you know, the Tolkien universe has been canon for you know, yeah, forty or fifty years—the
0: longer than that,
1: yeah, a long time. Regardless, a hundred
0: years, right? Because it would be—it was after World War One.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. So that would be the
0: teens. So yeah, like a hundred years. Whoa, yeah and like kid. has
1: you know an actual language built around it. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm sorry, Stephen King, but the Dark Tower series has not how reached how dare that you?
0: How dare you, sir? <laughs>
1: it has not reached that level of infamy yet.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean. For one thing, they haven't made a good series about it yet, right? Like
1: I mean I would put uh, I I like the books, don't get me wrong, but I would put um the Dark Tower series somewhere in like the Ring World level of
0: mm, I never read the Ringworld World series. Oh, with like
1: the talking like horse people?
0: What <laughs> I'll have to look into that. Yeah. Do you have any hope that this is gonna get picked up?
1: Um, the Ring World? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Don't make me spit out my LaCroix, sir. I'm going to need you to let me drink my LaCroix piece. Uh,
1: no, I, you know, I I do think that we'll see this uh, uh pop up again. I think yeah. the better application for something like this is, a, and I think I've said this before, is a mini-series as opposed to a television show. Mm. Because there's, there's really good right. sections of the Dark Tower series that would make an amazing mini, you know, like mini, mini-so, like six-episode long format thing. Mm-hmm. But if you try to do the whole thing, the scope is just too broad. And if you try to like do tie-ins all over the place, I don't know. And there's a lot of like cruff in in yeah. the the uh, Dark Tower series where like it wouldn't really work as well as a television show. Now, I mentioned earlier when we started this that like maybe as a cartoon, and mm-hmm. actually if you like go the Acura route of like a weird postmodern apocalyptic um, cowboy bebop. I was slash... say cowboy
0: bebop. What's the one with Vash the Stampede? Uh, the uh, Trigun? gun. Yes, yeah, like Trigun style. Yep. If you mm-hmm. like
1: mixed a little bit of that genre up and like went went anime with it, I think you could really make this series pop. That's interesting. Because, because you wouldn't be if you did it in that manner. Like cartoons kind of have the allowability to have like sub adventures. While the main, main thing is happening in the background. Right. And I feel like if you did it that way, you could really do like a pick a story of the week and like your characters slowly advance, but they advance around the halo of like each of the cool adventure portions of the uh, Dark Tower series. Because mm-hmm. I mean, like, you know, battling with the lobstrosities, like you could see like the perfect um, anime where it's like it ocean craves washing and like suddenly like a weird lobster thing comes up
0: and then like you know like <laughs> rolling like agony and blood shooting out of his
1: hand and like yeah fighting. and and so like i can see that you're right and, and that would be like that would be epic but then you don't waste your time with you know six six episodes of roland walking down the beach uh you know sick right. and trying to find some doors you just like nope now we got doors now we're uh naked fighting in a you know in a building
0: yeah i see what you mean sort of like a like yeah, like a Attack on Titan in terms of like it's really adult and yeah. violent anime.
1: Yeah, and you could let this like you can let the story like be assumed in the background without having to beat your head over it, mm. and like just focus on the adventure portions. And that's then, interesting. I, I mean, uh, to me, like that would be an epic good card if you wanted to do the whole series. That would be the way to do it because there's so many twists and turns. Yeah. I mean, Min- minus the ending like maybe we could just chop that off and you know to be continued
0: yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah. No, no no spoilers of course but
0: yes of course of course uh yeah i think that's actually really interesting um i'm i wasn't really sold on the animation thing but like when i started picturing like um like a what's the samurai one where it's just like oh uh, afro every... samurai no but yes that wasn't what i was thinking of but in the same way that like you just sort of get these little vignettes um, I was originally thinking more in line with, like, the Avatar or, like, Dragon Prince. You know what I mean? But Oh.
1: Maybe... I, I, see, I was thinking, like, the darkness of, like, Samurai yeah. Jack, but mm-hmm. done in the style of, like, a Trigun, a Cowboy Bebop, or, like, Yeah, Akira. the Cowboy
0: Bebop of it all definitely speaks to me.
1: Because uh, especially with Akira, like, I feel like the sound choice of Akira could make a wonderful way of doing the Dark Tower. Like, imagine, like... Yeah when you're walking through the door, it's complete silence. Mm -hmm. And then like, you're suddenly hit by all of the sounds of New York and like the, the, like um, almost cliche New York accents bouncing around the background. And when you're like running around with Eddie and then like cutting to those views where it's like the two circles on the screen and it's Roland staring through his eyes, sort of like a being John Malkovich esque Mm -hmm. thing, but done in an anime way. And yeah. there's so many like cool shots that when you start imagining it as an anime like yeah
0: well you, cyberpunk western does feel at home in the anime genre right? exactly like, yeah. yeah and
1: and like th- those callbacks like akira has such good gore and mm-hmm. like shock value and um imagine pri- the
0: slow muties yeah exactly akira style mm-hmm.
1: yeah and then like attack on titan perfect example like that sort of like rough edge, drawn, stretched, and like a little grotesque all the time.
0: Yeah. That would
1: fit the world perfectly.
0: Yeah. But everybody doesn't have to scream talk all the time. That's my one my one <laughs> issue with Attack on Titan. I was like, the scream talking is far too much. Uh, okay, cool. So what do you think? Is this dead? Are we done with this version of it? Is it we're going to have to go around the wheel again? Yeah. Or do you, I don't think we're going to see
1: another revision of this for at least a couple more years. Okay. Fair
0: enough. So, for me, you've kind of sold me on the anime. That's not what I was going to say initially, but I'm kind of sold on the anime version of it, because I could, I could definitely see that, and I feel like you can be weird in anime in a way that, like, live action doesn't always allow. Like, people want, like, something a little more gritty. Like, even with with um, Game of Thrones, like, you had to start, yes, it was a fantasy world, but it was very, like, palace intrigue, and then mm-hmm. you got into dragons and shit. Um, and I don't know, I mean, I guess this thing could be, like, very much, if if they decided to adapt it from the gunslinger, or even Wizard and Glass, but more so gunslinger, and just, like, really go for, like, realism in the Western, and then introduce, start introducing weird things, you could. I don't know. But, I think if they are gonna go live action, what I want to see them do... And they don't pick this up again, which I'd be open to seeing the pilot. I hope they at least release the pilot. Um, I want someone who, and this was something that I had concerns about when I saw, like, who was directing and who the showrunner was. Is I want somebody who, ha- like, I want a showrunner with, like, really distinct voicey vision. Like, I want, like, a Brian Fuller or... Um... You want
1: this to, like, go uh, um, carnival? <laughs>
0: Yeah, I want somebody who has, like, a very strong voice to do it. You know what I mean? Like, very stylized. Or even, like, after watching this, the the this recent season of The Watchmen, like, David Lindelof. Someone like that. Someone who, like, is willing to go to some, like, really dark places. And I want to see it end up... Amazon did never felt quite right for me because Amazon doesn't really have an identity yet in terms mm-hmm. of, like... Their what what their prestige TV is like. I want someone that like wanted like an HBO to pick it up because like they have like a darker edge to. Yeah, but content. HBO
1: all of their good creatives have left since they were bought by the phone company.
0: Mm, great, okay, but my point is <laughs> like yeah. So I was hoping for that. Like I want somebody who's like really willing to go to some dark, ugly places with it, and but also like juxtapose that like beauty and the ugliness of it um david fincher would be another choice someone who just like really has a vision um but like because i think if you try to be literal with the problem is is i feel like people try to approach this as something really literal and it's not it's fucking weird man it is a gonzo series like we talked about just in this section alone we have like gunslinger knights and like people speaking in high speech and david quick on the pontoon like all this stuff is not you can't go into the straight face like it has to be stylized in order for it to work it has to be cool mm-hmm. someone needs i want somebody who can infuse coolness into it um they're so all that,
1: they're all busy right now working on the next marvel movie
0: i know oh, can you imagine like taika watiti's take on it <laughs> <laughs> but i mean seriously like what if john favreau got his hands on this mm. I mean, I, he's a, he's not someone who I picture being really stylized, but he's someone who has a lot of pull who I think could make it happen. Oh, I don't know. We'll see. Once more around the wheel, folks. Once more around the wheel. I don't.
1: All right. I still I try to visualize it as a live action, and I just don't see it coming together. Uh, the thing
0: is, I I was all in on the live action until I started. You made me in my mind picture it as an anime, and now I'm kind of in on the anime. Yeah. So that's why I don't feel like I'm making a very forceful case for my my <laughs> vision for the future because cause you've gone and corrupted me. Okay.
1: Well, last thing to think about: imagine every time Roland goes through a door, you change your anime style for that world as you go through the door. So, like, you go like totally Eon Flux with those sort of three sixty degree like curving lens oh views my of the God. world. Cause I mean, and like, then you go to like Jake's world and like, it gets a little more like creepy cutesy pie kid. And yeah. you go to like, uh, um, Suzanne's world. And it's like this, like almost, um, colorless, like almost, uh, 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 what do they call it? Sepia tone world. Yeah. And like, everything's sort of dark and weird and like, oh man. Yeah.
0: That's, I would like to see somebody just get weird with it. Cause that's yeah. what part of what I love about this. It's a good yarn, and it's fun. It plays with some archetypes. But what I like about it is the weird combination of, like, Western fantasy, like not cyberpunk, but, like, retrofuturism stuff. No, there's a little
1: bit of cyberpunk with, like, some some future stuff that we haven't gotten to yet.
0: Yeah, I guess that's probably true. (laughs) All right. So I threw this out to the listeners on our Facebook page, which y'all should get on because it's cool. Um, and we got some great answers and there's some people that actually kind of agree with you in terms of wanting it to go, uh, in a more animated direction. So Ryan says that he'd love if someone would make it as a dark anime series like Castlevania on Netflix.
1: Oh yeah. Yep.
0: I feel you. That's it. Yep. That's it. i there's a fan in the background here in in the studio who's throwing his fists up in the air with two thumbs on them okay uh i really like the idea of letting artists loose without the constraints that live action would bring to the series the marvel graphic novels illustrated by jay lee would make for a good visual reference so that's two i guess three four votes for anime so far. <laughs> um John says he has mixed feelings about everything that's gone down. He's super bummed out. Young Roland and Book Four are my favorites, but I also think maybe it wasn't good, and that's why they passed on it. I loved the I loved the movie, but a lot of people didn't, and maybe Amazon didn't want to disappoint the fans. I hope Netflix picks it up they've got they've had a ton of success picking up shows that have been cancelled so sure. Listen, I'm open to all takers, but I I also feel like we're gonna get one shot at this. Like, you got to get it right, man. You got to get it right in the first first season, like, or we'll never see another Dark Tower. So no, I be another
1: think, twenty years before it hits again. Yeah.
0: So if this wasn't good, I'm glad they canceled it because I want a good one. Like, I want I want the Watchmen of this or the Trigun of this. Um. Okay. So Jeremy, who is the eternal optimist, and I love this about Jeremy, says. They're still shopping the pilot around and I feel uh, I feel the problem is truly that Amazon has dumped so much money into shows that they're currently doing as well as the upcoming Lord of the Rings series that they're doing. So keep the faith. I would like to see that pilot though. I agree. I definitely want to see the pilot.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Unless yeah, I don't know. Unless it scares people off from actually doing it. It just feels like this thing has like almost happened so many times. It's gonna happen eventually. I do believe eventually we're gonna get some sort of adaptation that like like a TV adaptation. Um, Alex says, Here is my humble dream scenario, which won't happen. <laughs> <laughs> one, JJ Abram gets back on the DT gets back on the DT direction. Because at one point he was attached to it. Um two, with JJ on board, he works with Disney to convince them to go into the R rated realm, which I mean they own Deadpool now so there must be some sort of offshoot of R-rated content right okay yeah three with JJ on board and Disney ready for R-ratings Pixar twist Pixar is in use to launch the epic series that we have all been waiting our current turn of Ka to be available in that's that's interesting I mean that is a totally different direction like now I'm picturing like um tom hanks doing the voice of roland and
1: i don't know how like i can't really squeeze pixar into
0: well we uh, said we wanted it weird that would be weird yeah but
1: (laughs) when pixar rolls with something they like roll with it in a super i mean it is stylized but it's stylized in like a. we have uh as every 15 minutes or so we want to like really pull at your heartstrings yeah, like, like I mean, come on, up like in the first like four minutes, oh, you meet, God. fall in love with a character, and then they kill her, and, and they do it in like <laughs> such a way that you're like heartbroken, and the movie Crushed. hasn't even started, and then like, I
0: know you're like, where do we even go from here? And then they introduce you to it another like couple of characters, Astra and then like have
1: heartbroken animation. moments. It's just like, what are you doing? And yeah. and so I if I try to big picture Pixar doing a an adaptation like. What are they going to do to be the uplifting part?
0: Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I mean, Yes. What, uh, only most of the people die you know uh, well, I didn't know how this <laughs> oh god Oh, I know you're right that final season that final movie you thought Toy Story 3 was grim yeah, when yeah, did exactly. you get to book 7 <laughs> <laughs> alright uh, second to last one here uh, this one comes from Tim he says I for one don't feel like we need another adaptation of the midget stuff from Wizard of Glass we already got it with the DT, DT comics I want a prodder prop I want a proper adaptation of the series from The Man in Black Fled Across the Desert and The Gunslinger Followed. Can somebody at least make a short film of Eddie on the airplane from The Drawing of Three? It's practically spelled out how to shoot it in the pages. Like others, I'm a fan of the idea of making it animated. Oh, we got another animated vote. I'm thinking in the style of the animated sequence from Kill Bill Volume 1. Or, as I said elsewhere, they can leave the property alone completely and let it live on in literary form. (laughs) um listen i am so here's the thing is i think if they ever are going to do an adaptation they should just do the first gunslinger book it's self-contained it is small in scale as opposed in comparison to the rest of the series um you need very like aside from the stuff under the mountain like how much special effects do you actually need for that first book it's like a shootout it it's short it's perfect and i feel like if you do it super well you get people hooked and then you move into the rest of the series where it starts to get bonkers. Um, and I think for some reason they want to start with the wizard and glass stuff. And the dark tower is perfect for like, it's so it, there's so little that actually happens in it. It's kind of perfect. for like a six episode series. Yeah. I don't know. It's crazy. Um, so I agree with him on that. And yes, how has some like filmmaker not made a short film of the Eddie on the, on the airplane stuff? You know, like, what, DJ? Wait a minute. You are a filmmaker! <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's why, DJ. like, uh,
1: each, I mentioned Eddie as one of them is because, like, that's such a vivid and interesting story. And, like, even, like, some of the vignettes of their their childhood, you know, that, like, yeah. those would be good, like, book like, one-off-and-you're-dones. That I fit perfectly it, in anime.
0: Like, you... The stuff with Roland being in his head would be con- kind of confusing, but, like, I feel like you could... You can um get your audience to suspend disbelief just long enough. Like it, there's very little there, so you could, you could, ju- you could. That wouldn't be a problem, but like the, it would be so compelling. Like all of the like rising tension, internal voice that's happening when the stewardess is coming. Yeah, how is that not a thing already?
1: I don't know. All and... right,
0: DJ, I'm tasking you and the dark and the <laughs> Dead Lantern crew to make me this. Make me my fanfic, goddammit. it! <laughs> well, if you do
1: the airplane, man, that would almost you don't you'd want to go like Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, almost.
0: You like could that like
1: wiggly world and like him. Why like, not?
0: He's coming know. down, dude. That's perfect. I know. Yeah. All right. Final one. This might be a blessing. Amazon says they didn't pick it. It didn't see it as up to par with the other shows that were similar, and I can understand that. Even looking at The Witcher, a tale of a dark antihero. Uh, And how his life intertwines with others. If this dark tower series didn't have the correct portrayals of stories, then maybe now the creators can go back, take stock and make something better. Yeah. I mean, I can't argue with you, Craig. That's certainly what sounds like is happening. So, yeah. So I don't know. I think our listeners are kind of, a lot of them are on the same page with us. (laughs) None of them sound especially shocked, which I think is a little telling, or maybe Mm -hmm. we're just also burned by getting our hopes up so many times. But I love, 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 love hearing from listeners and what like what they think is going on. Um, okay, speaking of listeners, we do have one email from listeners. Oh, I skipped over reviews. We didn't get any this time. No, so nah, that's fine. It doesn't matter. Um, so we did get one less, uh, letter this week. It's a really great letter. It's from a new listener named Mike from Middle Tennessee. Um, he, I'm going to read you a section of it. Uh, the, the letter in itself is really great. Um, he shared his story of like how he discovered the dark tower and like his first you know trip through through mid-world um and what it means to him and it was really interesting So i'm always very interested to hear how like people find it like you and i have talked about how we became readers of the series mm-hmm. so like if people want to write in and tell me that i'm ready to hear that all day um so i really appreciate him sharing that story with me but uh and i love hearing how it like touches people's lives you know who love it because people who love the series Freaking love the series. Like there are, you know, like there are no like light dark tower readers. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, casual in.
1: casual read dark tower.
0: No, you know, no, 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 no. no. But um, in addition to that, there was a section in the email that I wanted to share because I thought it was fascinating. It was like a fascinating insight into something that I know nothing about. Like he has a very unique perspective on something, and so I wanted to share. It's about um, how he felt about. King, how King did in terms of how well King did in terms of or not in terms of describing a gunfight in Balazar's like hideout um, so uh, just a little information so like Mike has a military background and has been in combat so he wanted to talk a little bit about what he thought about this so he here is Mike talking uh, I don't remember the episode number but the chapter with the shootout uh, with Eddie's drawing in Balazar's restaurant uh, I don't know how to describe a gunfight in the written language or visually on screen. Every depiction I've seen doesn't, or read doesn't do it justice. I like sci-fi fantasy action movies as much as the average nerd, but I have yet to see a semi-accurate depiction other than Band of Brothers or Saving Private Ryan, which is more accurate than most. Gunfight's battles are not choreographed, and trying to write a gunfight is tough. King does a good job, but the time, thought, action always seems inaccurate. It's not as cool uh, as you can ever depict it, having some experience in gunfights and being shot at. Uh, It's not a thing you can describe. If you're trained and experienced, muscle memory takes over. You move and fight without conscious thought. It's a bizarre feeling and does not compute in the aftermath. And you try to process what happened. Anyway, the shootout in the drawing was not bad. (laughs) (laughs) so that was really interesting to me because I have no perspective on it like I only consider shootouts and things like that in terms of like how cinematic was it so have you never been
1: in like a really really bad fight or anything
0: like a fist fight well like I've been
1: stabbed a couple times Jesus
0: DJ what
1: oh yeah I got uh, a guy uh, tried to mug me and he pulled out a knife and uh, sliced through the palm of my hand because I went to catch the knife, and I didn't know anything about fighting, so I just put my hand out, caught the knife in my hand, but I had a Razor scooter.
0: Oh, my God.
1: And, like, I took the scooter and swung it at his face, and I'm pretty sure he has, like, permanent facial damage from that.
0: Wow.
1: And then, like, I had no concern for the knife at all. You're, like, on autopilot, and you just run. And like he had he jumped out of the car to mug me. And so, like, his buddies like drug him back into the car and sped off. And Holy I shit. ran as fast as I could to the gas station and like called the emergency services.
0: Wow. That's nuts. Yeah. And so, and like, where was this? Was this oh, this in, was
1: like, I, this is Nebraska. I was probably this like, This Nebraska. Holy 18
0: shit. 18
1: or 19. Well what our listeners describing I'm sure he's seen w- way more way
0: worse <laughs> way worse than I have but like yeah. if
1: I go into like a zone where you don't even I, I didn't even really think about any of the stuff until oh. after I'd gotten to the place I was running to and then I'm like oh crap
0: right did I just after do that? the adrenaline and like just then you're down. like did I
1: you know I just bash the guy's head I with I a John razor Wick? scooter did I murder him <laughs> <laughs>
0: Wow. Well, I'm glad you survived. It's really scary. I'm not kidding. I know you're laughing, but I'm glad you're okay. That's really scary. Oh, everybody man. like, everybody, just keep your hands to yourself. Like, Can we just all just keep our hands to ourselves? <coughs> well, the I world mean... would be a better place if we could all just keep our hands to ourselves. And then the other thing, he closed out the show with his casting for Odetta, Detta, Susanna, mm-hmm. and I think he nailed it. He suggests Lupita Nyong'o. All day, every day. day. I don't know who that oh. is. Did you see Us? Uh no. Okay. Well, Lupita Nyong'o is the main character in us and in the character without spoiling it there are, she has to depict two different characters um that are Could not be more different and shows her incredible range and is like the closest thing you will get to like a Detta Odetta, like split personality type of thing. Mm -hmm. It's not a split personality, but like because it's the same actor interacting, like you could totally see that translating to Detta Odetta. It is. And then also being Susanna, like when she becomes whole, like Lupita Nyongo is like all charisma. She's incredible. She's an incredible actress. I don't think she would ever slum. enough to be dada o but like because now she's like an a-list actor but oh that god she would have been perfect for Susanna. Per- i could not have cast it better okay so that is basically it um if you're enjoying the show please leave us a review on itunes if like our buddy mike thank you mike first of all thank you mike so much for this amazing email um really fascinating insight love getting your perspective and i hope that you're still enjoying the show and we'll hear from you again and if like mike you want to share your perspective or you have some thoughts about the series or the chapter or the next chapter whatever you want to talk about definitely send us an email at cast at zombiegirls.com. dot com and, or you can hit us up on the Facebook group. That's a great place to find us. We are lurking around there. Um, now that the holidays are over, I've been able to like spend some time. Uh, 2020 is going to be a good year for the podcast. I'm telling you right now. No spoilers, but we got some stuff in the works. So that's stuff to look forward to. Well, DJ, I know you said you've basically faded out on the internet, but is there anything else you want to plug or places people could find you on the internet if they really wanted to? Um,
1: So, right now I'm rocking uh, two one wheel skateboards. Uh, so, uh, you can find me lurking around the uh, one wheel uh, forums on Facebook and other areas. I am teaching my wife to ride a one wheel skateboard right now. Amazing. And then eventually, if you're up in the Portland area, you will be able to go on a ride with me as I join the weekly rides that happen uh, through downtown Portland and the likes uh, with the rest of the one wheel folks.
0: That is the most Portland thing you've ever said. <laughs> what about your movies you want to plug any movies
1: uh you know we've um well actually if i don't know if you've heard any of those update jingles but uh matt is currently finishing up pre-edits for our sci-fi thriller um the zombie uh what what the hell is it called is it attack
0: of the killer robo mummy yeah attack of
1: the killer robo mummy uh or something like that i don't remember what he's called what the working (laughs) title is but that should be out this coming year. And then uh, our next. Uh, um, Stay I Dream of... We'll
0: have details as soon as that goes up for sale.
1: Yeah. And then uh, Whirlpool a night and um, our other one. We have a nudie cutie that's making the rounds in film festivals right now and doing really well. That's so, awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, uh, you know, I don't even know if Dead Lantern exists anymore, but if it does go there and you can find out about our films.
0: Yes, deadlantern.com. You can find out. It does exist, and you can find out a lot about their films on there. Um, okay, if you want some more of this, you can follow me on the Zombie Girls Horror Podcast, where we review horror movies through a feminist perspective. And if you like your movies streamed on the internet, you can re- uh, listen to the Stream Queens, where myself and my survivalist bestie Mars review horror movies. It's definitely less political, much more like just fun, goofy us getting drunk reviewing horror movies um (laughs) yeah definitely and to that end we have now on the zombie girls website zombiegirls.com um you can go onto there and there is a calendar of all the video on demand releases uh upcoming video so if you need something to watch tonight or you want to see what movies are coming soon definitely check out our calendar over there so dj why don't you take us out
1: Thanks for listening to another LaCroix-sponsored episode.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I may be basic, but I embrace who I am. Okay? I am personally
1: in the White Claw camp. Thank you very oh! much. <laughs> Dropping the mic, and we are out for the night.
0: Bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>